Well, it's exciting to be moving into the meat of our how to study the Bible, how to study the Bible. And we're going to be looking through different principles of Bible study. And we had started this not that long ago, and then COVID hit, we had all kinds of things going on. And I've actually reworked this study, and I'm very excited about it. I pared it down some so that we can get through it before the Lord returns if he does delay his, his coming. And uh, so I'm excited about this. Look with me. Look with me at Psalm 119 and verse 47. The Bible says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. One of the things that I've been thinking about recently, because there are people in our church that are going through some really heavy things right now, very heavy things. And I don't want to list them, but believe me, life is not easy for everyone. Amen. There are a lot of things that are going on. And I was considering just preaching an encouraging message today. But I just believe that this is what we need to do because there's nothing that will help you more when you're in trouble than to know how to find out what God has said about your trouble. And this principle today is the most important principle of Bible study. How many of you know that there's all different views on the Bible, right? People interpret things all different ways, and you'll hear this, that's just your interpretation when you try to teach them something from the Scriptures. Well, we're going to begin today trying to discern, well, can we really know what God has said? So if we're going to study the Bible, we have to establish certain principles of Bible study. And this first principle is the most important one. That's why it's the first one. Is that good? So you can see that's the method. Principle number one, and many of you who have been at Grace Baptist for any length of time know this. You have to establish the theme of the author. You have to establish the theme of the author. So let me explain something. One of the reasons that believers get sidetracked in their in their Christian walk is because bad things happen to them. How many of you have known someone that walked away from the Lord because a bad thing happened in their life, their marriage, their home, their career? And I believe the reason that that happens is well-meaning people have taken passages out of context. There's a whole arm of Christianity. There's a whole wing of Christianity that teaches That when you get saved, if you have enough faith, God's going to give you stuff. Well, when I was in Africa and there's 30% employment, people are starving to death. They're doing everything they can just to stay alive. It's not working real well for them. I was with someone who believed that. And the idea is that if you speak anything in Jesus' name, God's going to do it. It's the word of faith movement. How many of you know anybody that's a part of that? 
And so we were in his brand new Mercedes. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, God wants you to give me this car. He just got real quiet, didn't say anything. And he didn't give me the car. And I had faith. Apparently, that didn't make it to his car. So why, do, and, and that's not the only thing. There are people that go to independent Baptist churches or other conservative evangelical churches that try to approach the Bible scripturally, and yet they have this idea that when bad things happen in your life, it has to be the result of sin in your life. Do you remember when they came to Jesus? So who sinned that this is like this? And they said, neither. This is mother or father. No, this is, this is here so that God's glory can be revealed. It's vital for us to understand that if we get the theme of the Bible right, then we can understand how to make it through a very difficult world. I was, I've mentioned to you before, I watched a conversation between Dennis Prager and Jordan Peterson. Dennis Prager, an Orthodox Jew, a lost man. Jordan Peterson, a lost uh, psychologist, clinical psychologist. And they were having a conversation about pain and suffering and what, what Peterson calls the tragedy of life. And they had a more accurate understanding of the world than 90% of the evangelical churches in America. Because life is hard. The Bible says that in this world you will have tribulation. You will. You'll always have the poor with you, Jesus said. There's always going to be struggle in this life, and it is because of the fall. It is because of sin, but your trouble may not necessarily be because you're a greater sinner than the person next to you. And when you understand how God deals with those subjects, man, it changes your whole perspective on life. So let's establish the theme of the author. So 2 Peter 1.21, and you're welcome to look up these verses in your own Bible. I've got quite a few of them on the slides for you. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God's the author of Scripture. All right? Let, let, let's, are are you all with me on that one? God is the author of Scripture. So what was the author trying to get across? When I was in college, um, I, I studied on my first degree. It was uh, uh, secondary education, history, and English. And in my English classes, we do a lot of literature. Did you all ever have to read a book in literature that's supposed to be this great piece of literature from the past? And you read it, and you get done, and you go, Huh. I have no idea what he was trying to say. I have absolutely no idea what she was trying to say. I don't know. Don't get it. And then you go to the class, and the teacher starts giving you all of the, well, when you look into the insight of the words and the syntax, and, it, and you're sitting there saying, well, if you've got to tell me what it meant, probably wasn't really well written. Right? So what they're trying to get you to do is get into the mindset of the author. And what happened with the Bible is the Bible is not only the mindset of the author, it is the author. In the beginning was the Word. And so if you really want to understand the author, well, then you understand the book. 
If you want to understand the book, you've got to seek to know the book's author. I enjoy novels. I enjoy spy novels. I started reading the Robert Ludlum novels when I was, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old. I love Louis L'Amour books. Any of you like Louis L'Amour? Man, they're so much fun. The, the, the protagonist is always he's wide at the shoulders, lean at the hips. And he was always fast with a gun. So much fun. I loved it. It was always so much fun. You know what? I don't know anything about Louis L'Amour. He's dead. Don't know anything about him. Honestly, don't really care. Books were fun. That's so much different than understanding the Bible. If you want to know the Bible, you have to understand what did its author intend? What is the point? What's the theme of the Bible? So here's our key thought. This is from Mark Trotter. There is a day on God's calendar that he has circled, underlined, starred, exclamation pointed. Is that a thing? Exclamation pointed? I don't know. And smiley faced. It is the most important day in history. It is not, however, the day most Christians think. It is not the day God watched his only begotten son brutalized on the cross. If you ask the average Christian, you ask the average Bible teacher, what's the theme of the Bible? They're going to talk about the redemption of mankind. You'll hear there's a scarlet thread of redemption that runs all through Scripture. And that's true, but that's not the theme of the Bible. if, If the salvation of mankind is the theme of the Bible, that makes mankind the center of Scripture. Can I tell you something? The Bible's not about you. The Bible's not about me. The Bible is about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible is about. But it's, it's about more than that. It's about a specific day that is coming. It's the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns in all of his glory to set up his kingdom on the earth. And for the first time since man sinned in the garden, he will finally receive the glory that is due his name. That's the theme of the Bible. Jesus Christ is coming back. How many of you, have, how many of you honestly, you had a week that you wish you hadn't had? Did you raise your hand? It, it was, this was not good. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ is coming back. And hallelujah. He is coming back. And he is going to receive the glory that's due his name. When we understand that the point of my life is to bring glory to him. The point of my life is to be ready for him to come. The point of our church is to occupy till he comes. The point of this ministry is not to make the world a better place. The point of this ministry is to give glory to him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the theme of the Bible. That's the theme of this church. That must be the theme of my life. If I get away from that, then the, then the weight, the trouble, the tragedy of life, it will begin to overwhelm me. We got to keep Silas yesterday for a little while. And if you, y'all don't know who Silas is? The most beautiful baby in the history of the world. And they say he looks like me. And so he was there on the couch. I was sitting next to him. He was doing trigonometry. It's amazing how smart he already is. And I just started praying for him that God would use him. God would take him and use him for his glory. You know, that's the only reason he exists. That's the only reason Silas exists. 
To bring glory to God. The only reason you exist is to bring glory to God. And when you begin to understand that when trouble comes into your life, here's what you can pray. And I'm not saying it's easy. God, how's this going to bring glory to you? How, how can I glorify you through this trouble? How can I glorify you at this time? You know that Jesus Christ is returning. And let me just say, if you want to understand this book, here's the key. Look for the second coming. In every passage, look for something about the glory of God Something about his name, something about his person, something about his return. If you will view the Bible that way, it's going to open up your understanding of the Bible. It will help you in so many ways. Key principle. The theme of the Bible is the day of the Lord. That's the theme of the Bible. The day of the Lord. It's not just his return. The day of the Lord is one day, but the Bible says that a day is as a thousand years. How long is the millennial reign of Christ? A thousand years. That's because the word millennium means a thousand. It's a thousand year reign of Christ. So understand, so I, 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 I'm kind of a YouTube addict, and I was watching this guy's name's Doug Wilson, and he made some great comments. He, he wrote this essay, and he kind of read it, recited it. And it was uh, the sheepdog that wouldn't bark. And so he's talking about these, these religious leaders that are not calling out the error that's coming into their churches. And man, I, I just thought this was great. So I started looking at some more of, of Doug Wilson's things. Well, he's a Presbyterian and he's a post-millennialist. What does that mean? He believes that our job is to make this world so perfect that Jesus can return to it. And the only way that you can have that position is to not believe the words of the Bible. You have to make them say something they don't. You have to say, well, that's not literal, that's allegorical. But when the Bible says that Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years, that's not an allegory. That, that's a time period. So a thousand years, what that means is, well, it means a thousand years. That's, that's, that's what it means. And so the day of the Lord is the day that the Lord returns, but that day lasts a thousand years. That's the theme of the Bible. Here's some key verses, Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's the victory. Jesus, how many of you, you, people, they'll say Jesus is king, right? Well, he is, but he's not yet put all things under his feet. Who's the God of this world right now? It's a mess because of that. But there's a day coming when he will reign. I love this, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. I cite it all the time. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. This is because of the cross. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Is everybody bowing to him right now? Why is there trouble in the world? 
Why do we have uh, uh, political leaders that are trying to control people with a, with a virus that can be deadly, but that they want to make you take a vaccine when there's something like ivermectin that will just take care of it for you most of the time? That, why are they trying to control you? Because people are finding out how the election was stolen. And the more that comes out, the more they've got to blow something else up and just control, 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 control. Well, how's Doug Wilson doing at making it a godly nation? We're not going to make this a godly nation, but you can lead your neighbor to the Lord. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back. We have a job to do. And one of these days, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he is Lord. Amen? That is coming. How about this, Psalm 66, 4? All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. All the earth is going to do that. Selah. Selah, that's rest. Anytime you see that word Selah in your Bible, it's dealing with the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ every time. What's going to happen during that thousand-year reign? All the earth is going to worship him. That's the theme of the Bible. If you want to understand the Bible, you must look for that theme. Everything points to it. Zechariah 14, 9, this is the theme verse of the whole Bible. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4. This is what the church believes. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, that's what the Bible says, and yet there are people who worship Allah. There are people who worship uh, d different gods in the Hindu world, different gods in the Buddhist world, although Buddhism is primarily atheistic. But it's a different form of worship. One day, everyone is going to worship God, and there's only going to be one. And if someone calls themselves a prophet, they'll be killed, because prophets talk about the God that's coming. When he's there... There are no more prophets. Amen? That's how you understand the Bible and interpretation. There's a day coming when he will be king of all the earth. Key examples. The theme of the Bible is seen through the record of the preaching of all the Old Testament prophets. All of them. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 3. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Look at this when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing. What are the times of refreshing? In another place, the Bible calls it the time of the restitution of all things. Why does everything need to be refreshed? Why does everything need to be destroyed? I'm sorry, uh, uh, restored. Because he's just destroyed it in the tribulation. All the green grass, a third of the trees, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, the days are shortened. The whole world is suffering. And so... Jesus Christ returns and restores everything. Listen, 
with his presence. See what it says? Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, look, until the times of the restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of, what does that say right there? All his holy prophets since the world began. So if all the holy prophets prophesied of this, what do you think their theme was? The time of the restitution of all things, the day of the Lord, the time when Christ would return. And yet, I, I'm just, I promise you, many of you have heard this over and over and over again. I know some of you are thinking, I've heard this, Pastor. Come on, we know this. There's a bunch of you that don't. People have come since we started this, and this is not taught. How many of you never heard this until you came to Grace Baptist? You never heard this until you came here. Well, if all the holy prophets prophesied about that day, why don't other people teach it? Because they have a different understanding of the theme of the Bible. They don't have the Bible's theme of the theme of the Bible. And that's what we're trying to do. All the holy prophets... Here's Jude, verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Look with me at 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, chapter 1. Man, I know some of you are going through trouble. Look at verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Seeing it as a righteous thing with God, look at this, to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in all his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Look at this. When's that going to happen? In that day. There's a day coming when the Lord is going to return. I think of my friend Jerome Pittman. He pastors in Canada. They can't have church. They can't. They'll go to jail if you try to have church. Can I tell you something? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And those people that are stopping his people from worshiping, Jesus is going to take care of it. We're not going to take up arms and kill them. God's going to take care of that. It, the Doug Wilson concept of reconstructionism, that would cause us to take arms. Bring the kingdom in. No, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We patiently wait. We endure. We preach the gospel, understanding that God is going to recompense our suffering, that our job is to suffer. That's our job. That's our job.
I love this, Zechariah chapter 12. Would you look to, at Zechariah with me? The book, second to the last book of the Old Testament. Go to chapter 12. Let's try to get this understanding of the day of the Lord as the theme of the Bible settled in our minds. Zechariah chapter 12, look at verse 3. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. Verse 4. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. Look at verse 6. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheaf. Verse 8. In that day the Lord shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Look at verse 11. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem. Look at chapter 13 and verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Verse 2. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And I also, and also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Verse 4. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision. And when he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. Look at uh, chapter 14 and verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Verse 8. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. And there shall be one Lord and his name one. Look at verse 13. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one upon the hand of his neighbor. And his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. What do you think the theme of that book is? That day. That day. And the interesting thing is, again, I think Doug Wilson is probably a godly man. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's doing some really good stuff. But this interpretation of the Bible that says that we are going to bring in the kingdom, you have to ignore all of that. How many of you think that day is important? Seriously. If repetition in the Bible is important, that day is important. That's not what they believe. And so that's why sometimes when you, you go to a Bible study app or you, you Google something and you're trying to get an understanding of Scripture and they give a completely different understanding than what we teach here, there's a reason for it. The reason is we interpret the words literally. We take them literally. We believe what they say, which means you have to rightly divide. They're going to take a different position. This is the theme of the Bible. So here's the key takeaway. Until Christ's kingdom glory is the passion and theme of our lives. Is that the passion and theme of your life? The glory of God? Praying for his return? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. How many of you would be honest and say that honestly, that's not really been the focus of, of my life? I, I'm going to say that. that. That the return of Christ, his glory, his kingdom... That's not really been the focus of my life lately. 
That's why learning how to study the Bible will cure every one of your problems. It's not going to take your problem away, but you're going to have a better understanding of why it's there. This world is a mess. It's all going to come apart. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. It's not going to get better, better, better. The people who are telling you it's going to get better and better and better and better, you're going to be very disappointed if you listen to them. If you believe the people that say, man, when we came back the first Sunday after we came back after the shutdown from COVID and I preached a sure word of prophecy, I was so excited. Man, everything the Bible tells us about the future has been proven in the first month of COVID. Right? There's going to be a one world government. There's going to be a one world economy. There's going to be a one world leader, a short little Italian guy who lies every time he opens his mouth. Everything. I'm not saying that Fauci is the Antichrist. He's a liar, but he's not the Antichrist. Any of you here, if there's anyone in here that still trusts Anthony Fauci, all I can say is, I'm sorry. And understand, when you go into a store and they're going to tell you to put your mask on, knowing that there are 35 studies that show that masks don't help. I like the illustration. You would get a chain-link fence, and you throw a handful of sand through the chain-link fence. Boy, that fence is going to stop some of that sand. But is it effective? No, that's what masks do for a virus. People are just lying to you. They're just lying! And these are the people that are in charge. And it's not just the United States. This is a global thing. Our missionaries can't go back to the field. In, in France, he's going to, if you don't get the vaccine, they're going to put you in prison. That's what Macron's trying to pass. A vaccine that they're saying now, well, the reason you have to wear a mask after the vaccine is because you have twice the viral load of someone who hasn't had the, the vaccine. Isn't that what Fauci just said? Uh, why am I taking the vaccine then? Shut up, anti-vaxxer. If you take the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask. Even vaccinated people have to wear a mask. How many of you believe any of them? You believe any of them? If you already have had the virus, why do you need to take the vaccine? Why, 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 Why do you need to do that? Understand, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's where we are. That's the world that we live in. Do you know what? Here's the good news. So, God told us this was going to happen. There's going to be pestilences. Is that what the Bible says? You know what? There's going to be a virus that's going to kill like a third of the population of the world. That's coming. That is coming. They're brewing it up in Wuhan right now. I don't know where it's coming from. (laughs) There's a virus that's coming. How many of you know that there's going to be a pestilence that destroys a third of the population of the world? That couldn't happen. Half the population was killed by the bubonic bubonic plague. (laughs) Just a minor stroke right there. The bubonic plague killed how many people? It's going to happen again. So what does that mean for the Christian? Man, God's right. 
I love that meme. This lady's opening up her door. She's looking out. What chapter of Revelation is it today? <laughs> I heard this guy give another meme. It said, 10 years from now, you're going to be digging through a jacket and you'll find a mask. And you'll say, man, what a weird year that was. And then you'll take your machete and go through the darkness to try and keep the, the zombies from killing you as you make it to your next spot. Until Christ's kingdom glory is the passion and theme of our lives, we'll totally miss the point of the Bible. Your Bible reading will change. Because what's going to happen, because... Is the Bible true? Because it's true, when you read it understanding its theme, then you look at the world and you go, that's right, that's right, that's that's what's happening. You'll understand the point of the Bible. If you don't, you'll miss it. You'll miss the purpose, purpose of your salvation. The purpose of your salvation is to bring glory to God. The, the, the purpose of your salvation is for God to call out a people that will bring glory to his name. That's the purpose of your salvation. The purpose of your salvation, if I may, is not to keep you out of hell. Now, how many of you are glad he's keeping you out of hell? That's not the purpose of your salvation. That's a side benefit. The purpose of your salvation is to restore you into union with Christ so that you can worship him. Number three, until Christ's kingdom glory is the passion and theme of our lives, we will totally miss the reason for our very existence. Why are you here? Why are you here? You're not here to do your job. You're not here to raise your kids. You're not here to fight politics. You're not here for any of that. You're here to bring glory to God. You bring glory to God. Listen, you bring glory to God by, by representing him well at your job. You bring glory to God by being a good parent. You bring glory to God by being a loving husband, a submissive wife, obedient children. That, that's how you bring glory to God, but it starts with the desire to bring glory to God. You can't love your neighbor until you know God. Let me say that again. You cannot love your neighbor until you know God because you won't know what your neighbor needs. Your neighbor needs the gospel. Your neighbor needs Christ because Christ is coming back. the theme of the Bible. How do we glorify God by studying his word? By making sure we understand the theme of the Bible. So let's testify and we'll be done. How many of you honestly, and please don't go and ask somebody what this is. So just, you'll know how to pray. You'll know, you'll know to pray. How many of you, you've got something going on in your life right now that is genuine trouble. Would you raise your hand? There's something going on in your life. Hold your hands up. Hold them up so people can see. We need to pray for these people. We need to pray. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ because this world is full of trouble. And we as Americans, we've had so much of our trouble removed. We're not trying to discover where our food's going to come from, our, our, our shelter. We've got our homes. We have all of that. We live in a safe society. All of those things, we have that. And yet we still have trouble. Why? Well, we're going to have trouble until the Lord returns. You're not going to fix society. You're not going to fix society. We're going to be politically active. We're going to be hosting Josh Morell, the uh, guy that's running for Senate. He's coming uh, to do a, a, a question and answer thing here. It's on Friday. Uh, I don't have my calendar. Let me see my phone. I'll tell you. Oh, Josh Mandela. What did I say, Morell? Who's Josh Morell? Did y'all see that picture? I just, I just see. 
<laughs> so Josh Mandel is running for Senate. And on Friday, August 27th, Friday, August 27th, we're going to be hosting uh, a rally here. And he's just talking about faith and freedom. So we're trying to be involved in politics. I hope that you all will come for that, invite people. You know, there are people that will come into the church for that. This would be a good introduction for, for our church. He's a Jewish man. He's not saved. We're praying that he'll get saved through some of this. Um, we are going to be involved politically, but that's not why we're here. Amen? Uh, we, uh, Chad Hollinger is our fire chief here in Sydney, and he hosted uh, some kind of a safety training or something here for firefighters. And isn't it great to be able to use our facility to help our, our first responders and things like that? Praise God for that. We're going to do that because we care about our community. That's not why we're here. Are y'all following me? That's not why we're here. Um, Dave Spicer just did an active shooter training for a group of college students, and I got to go and give the gospel there. Isn't it cool that we get to do that? That's not why we're here. We're here to bring glory to God. We're here to tell people, hey, the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. That's the theme. He deserves glory. Let's bow our knee now willingly because they will bow their knee unwillingly. Right? That's the theme. And when you get that theme right, it puts all of our trouble into perspective. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to teach it and study it. Thank you for the opportunity to learn it. You're so good to us.